0: We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. It is so good to have you with us as always. And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time, uh, let me just say, welcome. Welcome. So this week we're going to be moving ahead in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2 specifically. And in this book, we're going to start seeing more of the big picture of what the church is supposed to be and how Christ is reflected within us. So we're exploring some really, really great things here. All right. And we're going to dive Right into it. So, for those of you who have your Bible, those of you who use applications, you know, on your phones or tablets or whatever, um, or even those of you who are just taking notes, uh, you know, to follow along with later or however, um, go ahead, let's join me now. Uh, Again, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start off with verses 1 through 3. All right, so Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath so if you recall last week when we finished off paul was in prayer all right um really great prayer um you know praying for for all christians and you know and and uh, our relationships with the lord Uh, And as we see here, he goes from that straight into reminding us the reality of our sin. Now, it's important to note, he is doing this lovingly. He's doing it because he cares. right? Not to call out any single person. Rather, he's reminding us of our past. Where we all have been. Where we all fell short of the goal. And the purpose of this is is because we need to remember our beginnings. We cannot forget it. All right? We live in a cancel culture now, don't we? Somebody gets their feelings hurt, you know, or they feel like they're being painted in a in a, you know, painted in a negative light. What happens? They don't take accountability. They try to spin things to suit themselves. You know, it, it is a very selfish culture. That tries to take away hope. Instead, we need to remember our past and learn from it. We need to own our mistakes and move forward. You know, in in the Marine Corps, it's it's the leadership principle that says, know yourself and seek self-improvement. Now, sometimes the past is painful, however, it is important that we remember it so that we can remember, one, how much, Je- you know, what, well, I should say how, how Jesus saves saved us because he loves us, two, that we remember to thank him for all that he has done for us, and three, it's also where our testimony comes from when we tell others about him and share the light that he has given us, the hope that he has given us. So it's important that we don't just forget this important gift that keeps us humble. Because that's what our past does. And it all, like I said before, it also allows us to share the hope of Jesus. Hope. Four letters with big meaning. H-O-P-E. Hold on, pain ends. Alright? Now, in verse 2. Notice... How Paul describes the devil, he, he, he refers to him as the ruler of the kingdom of air. Remember, the devil, he's not in hell yet. He's right here on earth, and we're being reminded of that. Satan is directing his demons, his minions, and, and desperately trying to win a war that he's too blinded to see he's already lost right? God's already won. The victory is his. Not only that, but remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, he showed that his power far supersedes the devil's because unlike him, Jesus is able to beat death. The devil does not have that ability, which brings us to verse 3. So let's start by looking at the word flesh the Greek word that's used here for flesh is actually referring to the sinful nature of mankind. Again, we're being reminded that we've all lived in sin. It's part of the human condition. As a people, we all like to call out certain sins as though one was worse than the next, right? however, sin is sin. it's all ugly, and to God, lying is no better than killing. All right I'll remind you if you go to Matthew chapter five verses twenty one through twenty two Jesus told us that being angry with a brother or sister is the same as committing murder in our own hearts. Being angry, holding that grudge, is the same as committing murder. You might as well have just killed him. So, knowing this, we cannot justify one sin as being better than another. You know, the whole lesser of two evils. You know, I'll remind you, there's only one unforgivable sin. All right? And when we do do these things, when we're trying to call justify one thing as being better than another... We actually become the Pharisee Jesus was talking about in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. All right. In Luke 18, if you recall, it, it was the tax collector who had favor in God's eye. You know, these, these two men, they enter in, you know, they go into prayer, and the Pharisees like, well, you know, thank God I'm not that guy. I do this and I do that, you know, so I, I'm i a much better person for it. And it was, you know, very legalistic and very prideful and arrogant. Whereas the tax, tax collector, he went in there and he prayed, and you know what? The, the, the Lord smiled upon him even more, right? So let's go back to our reading here. Uh, Ephesians 2. Now we're going to look at the next few verses, uh, 4 through 7. So, Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. The Bible says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus so the first 3 verses of this chapter remind us of our sin flash forward you know into these next few verses though however and they remind us of the gift that we've been given in being freed from the power of sin those chains have been broken now this is not a free hall pass to go out and sin more of course not it's not a get out of jail free card you know the price for our freedom was the blood of Christ it doesn't mean that we're free from temptation Nor does it mean that we won't mess up and never sin again. On the contrary, we're human. We're going to screw up. That's part of our nature. Try as we might, we're imperfect, so we're going to mess mess up. We're going to have missteps. So what does it mean that as Christians, we're no longer, you know... Well, let me put this, what it means is, as Christians, we're no longer bound in sin and we're no longer dead because of that. All right? I was going to start to ask a question, but no, I'm just going to say it. What it means is, we are Christians and we're no longer bound by sin and we're no longer dead in that sin. All right? And the Holy Spirit, you know, he He's here to help us to avoid it. To repent of it, to repent of our sins, you know, and and to work to bring out to bring about changes in our lives so that we can live as God wants us to, and to become the people that God wants us to be. Or as Galatians 2, verse 20 puts it, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, again, that's Galatians 2, verse 20. So, continuing on, uh, back in Ephesians 2, we're going to look at the next couple of verses now. So, 8 through 10. All right. Um, So, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, the Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. By grace, you've been saved, meaning we've been given a gift from God. Let me put it another way. How do you respond when someone gives you something? When someone gives you a gift, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of gift—birthday gift, Christmas gift, an anniversary present—you know, any other number of gifts. You know, do you stop and say, "Oh, how much did this cost?" You know, start looking for a, for a tag on it or anything? No, you know, or do you ask, "Oh, thank you." How, you know, how much do I owe you? Do you stop to compare it to the gifts that other people have gotten? Oh, I, I I don't know. I think Bob's gift sure shows that he loves me more. No, of course not. You, you say things like, this is great. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're the best. I love you. This is awesome. You know, and these are all appropriate responses. However, as Christians, we often forget that this is also how we should respond to God's gifts of redemption and forgiveness. We just say, oh, I'm saved, cool. See, we what happens is we forget and we start looking for ways to earn these gifts in our life. We, we forget that it's a gift. And the simple fact is we cannot earn them. They've already been given to us. We cannot repay him for it, nor should we try. You know, it says, Right there. Not by work, so that no one can boast. God's the only one who can provide these gifts. And there's no way to earn or, you know, get any of this stuff beyond Him. You know, instead, what should be happening is we should be grateful. We should be giving praise and thanks and moving forward in our life with that graciousness and that humbleness in our hearts. You know, we are God's handiwork, meaning we've each been perfectly made by Him. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. He he was spot on in, in, in every aspect of you. All the way down to your hair. You know, your gender, your orientation, your status in life, anything else that the world may try to pervert and tell you otherwise, you are imperfectly made, perfectly loved by him. You are perfectly designed in his eyes. So let, let me summarize everything that we've covered up to this point so far uh, today. Okay. It's actually quite simple. And, and if you've been putting off or avoided being around, you know, the church or, or going to a worship service because of what you're dealing with in your life, this is for you. What the word is telling us is this. You don't have to change before you go to God. Because going to God is what changes you. You cannot do it yourself. None of us can. Not a single man, woman, or child alive can do it. We all need God's help. And we need to stop waiting, thinking that we're going to do it once we've been sanctified. Once everything's good, it's like, oh, I got to get right, you know, and then and then I'll go. It doesn't work that way. Everything that needs to happen for you to go, it's already happened. You need to get over your pride and just go. You know, sanctification. This is a word that's thrown out there and it's used, you know, in in different ways. There's different words for it, but you know, it's a little bit of a a Christianese, if you would. You know, and, and this is a word that and what it what it really means when it when you come down to it is I'm better in God's eyes today than I was yesterday. I'm better in God's eyes today than I was yesterday. So now's the time. Stop waiting. Whatever's holding you back, pick it up and carry all that baggage with you. Take all that stuff with you bring it with you when you go to jesus and you know what's going to happen he's going to help you unpack it and deal with it that's how this whole thing works you know that's how easy it is in matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 jesus tells us Stop wearing yourself out trying to carry things that you were not meant to carry in the first place. He's going to help you deal with all of that burden and then move forward in joy. Continuing back now in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 through 13. In this part, this, this is where it starts getting really exciting. Okay, you're going to see what I mean here very shortly. So Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13, the Bible says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time of... Excuse me, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, what we're starting to see is something absolutely wonderful. But we're given a little reminder about the past again, right? And, and this time it's something that we we still see it presently. We still see it today, which gives even more power behind this punch. See, the Jews being circumcised and the non Jews being the uncircumcised is what it's saying here. Or more commonly, you know, they're you know, the non Jews are referred to as the Gentile, right? The Gentiles. All right. Jews looked upon the Gentiles as being ceremonially unclean all right They got very caught up in the whole legalistic aspect of everything so ceremonially they were unclean and the Jews looked at themselves as being pure you know, as a master race of sorts because of their heritage and legalistic traditions. You know, so, sounding a little familiar here. So, uh, up at, at that point in time, you know, this let's cut let's cut through it. Let's call it what it was. It's very much racism and nationalism. You know, going on even at that time. This is not a new concept. All right, and thank God times have changed because when it came to this aspect back then, uh, it, it, it it came down to spiritual pride. It was a spirit. It was an issue of spiritual pride. All right, you know the, the Jews. They knew of Jesus. They had, they you know they had scripture. You know they 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 had a direct relationship with them, where the Gentiles didn't. So they're like, ah, you know we're, we're 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 big stuff, right? King of the hill. You know. However, on the flip side of that same coin, we we also had the Gentiles, and, and they were also guilty of spiritual pride. You know, j- just like the Jews, they also believed that they were. Elevated in status because of their own achievements, uh, their their power in the world, their various position, uh, positions that they held, you know, in, in, in as world powers at that time. You know, and Paul was pointing this out here, that the Jews and the Gentiles alike were both unclean. All right. The, and, and, what, and this is what it comes to, even for us today, what it's speaking to us is that we have, we've all had this same condition. And just like them, we can become spiritually blinded by our pride. We cause alienation uh, of others and of ourselves by putting ourselves on this, you know, pedestal, uh, as if we were better than others. It's a danger we all need to look out for, you know. And, and while we're when it happens, you know, while we're blinded to our own faults and our own sins, we start looking at others through this, you know, skewed type of magnifying glass. You know, and it's so big that we begin nitpicking even the smallest imperfections. You know, this is where those cookie cutter molds come from that so many of us use to try to find our our clicks, right? Our groups, those you know, those places where we feel like we belong. And, and you know, this is also why at certain points in your life you've felt singled out, alienated, cast to the side because you didn't fit that cookie cutter mold in some way. You know, so it's important that we we come together as the church. All right, this is the beauty of it. This is you know, it's important that we come together as the church. And remember the church is the people, as people. It's not a location. All right. Say, like, Oh, I'm going to church. No, you're going to a place of worship. Okay? Coming together as the church is the people coming together. And that, you know, is what we need to remember because we need to be able to encourage one another and empower each other and lift each other up in our faith. You know, um, when people are struggling, being able to help help them through. You know, help them in prayer, pray together. You know, that's that's what reaching out and love really is. You know, anything less uh, than that, it's just a slogan for a snake oil salesman. You know, and a den of thieves. That's exactly what it is. You know, and there are plenty of places out there that really do, you know, use some some form of the slogan of reaching out and love, and that's what it is. It's a sales pitch, all right. So, so we need to be aware of that. That in itself is a gift as well. It's like, hey, we have this, so we're able to discern, right? All right. So, in, this, in these next few verses, we're going to start seeing exactly what I was mentioning before about something great, you know, starting to come together. We we're starting to see it now. We're going to it, it's it's coming out, all right. Uh, and you're going to love this. All right, so when we go back to our reading in Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he was put to death. Excuse me, by which he put to death their hostility. All right. Remember, before Christ, the Jews and the Gentile they were separated in the world. All right. They went to great lengths to try to stay away from each other, even like, oh, get stay away from them. You know, you're going to be soiled, you know, and both with the same ignorance, right? The house was divided. Even when Jesus first set the disciples out, they were told, only go to the Jews. Matthew 10, verses 5 and 6, the, the 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions: Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into uh, any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So even up to this point, they're still being kept separated. They're still being segregated, right? You know. However, it wasn't to stay this way. All right. J- Jesus did this on purpose because the disciples were still in training. Right? They they weren't built up to that point yet. Um, where they needed to be, they they were they were just starting. They were still young in that walk and needed to learn. You know, you don't you know you you don't just throw everything at them. You know, we all know nobody gets thrown into a jet fighter um, without first being trained uh, on smaller, different planes and then built up to be able to handle that. And it's the same thing. This is what Jesus was doing at that time um, when he said, "Just go to the lost sheep of Israel. Just go to the Jewish people." Right? As he was building them up so that later on they would be able to branch out and do even more and greater things it's just baby steps right so you know however you know you move forward to where we are at this point this is where the beauty is all right when when you get past all that and you move forward to where we are today that house is no longer divided jesus revealed the sin of both groups the jews and the Gentiles, all right? And he, and what happened is when he did this, he put them both on even ground and then unified us all, the Jews and the non-Jews alike, right? He knocked down those dividing walls of prejudice so that we could all be unified as a single body of believers. Not race, not age, not how somebody looks, not their nationality, not by sex, not social class, you know, not working class, not their educational level, not even a political party, but as one single body with Jesus at the head. He dissolved all of that stuff. It's the world that tries to rebuild these things under the direction and the instruction of the devil and that's that's really why it's so ugly today devil's hard at work you know spiritual warfare right here you know as christians we have to rise above this hate and recognize that there's only one body and that is the body of christ And Jesus has offered his gift of salvation to all so that they can become part of that body. When it comes to God, there are no strangers and there are no foreigners. All are welcome. And all are encouraged to seek him and find him. How beautiful is that? How exciting is that? This is a tremendous gift that we should all be thanking God for. That we can all be united as one. All right, uh, just join me now. Uh, Ephesians 2, we're, we're looking at uh, verses 17 through 22. So 17 through 22, the Bible says, He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So far and near, everyone all around the world has access to the Father. When the veil was torn in Matthew 27 verse 51, right? When Jesus took the cross for us, we no longer had to have a representative to go to the father on our part that door it it was it kicked you know it wasn't even just kicked open it was blown off the hinges so that all of us could directly go to him not to an elder not to a prophet not to a priest a pastor or anyone else we are to go to him ourselves that's the expectation nobody can have that relationship for us you know uh, think think of it this way We don't like when others ask for things on someone else's behalf. And God is no different. That's why Jesus was sent to unite us and the Holy Spirit to fill us. As citizens of God's kingdom and as adopted members of God's family, we are all given direct access and we're expected to use it. And notice where the scripture says that the foundation was built upon the apostles, right? This is not some legalistic phrase or a reference to the modern ideals of that time. Instead, what it's referring to is our heritage that comes from these people, all right, from these men. The testimony of their experiences and time with Jesus, Everything that they learn from Him, that's the cornerstone of our faith for all time. All right, As Christians, we've been reborn. We've been taken from the death of sin and made alive in Christ. Reconciled through Him as one body. And while we don't see everything eye to eye, I'll remind you, no family on earth ever does. And it's up to us to accept one another and to build one another up. Alright, that, and that's what empowerment is. You know, to, to to not just call one another family, but to actually be a family and to show the world what that is in God's glory, light, and love. Alright, that's what we have for this week, guys. Remember, you are loved. And you are blessed. So go and be the church. Thank you all for joining us here today at Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Please like, subscribe, and share our podcast on any platform it is that you tune into us on. If you do have any questions, any prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at be bethelightsanctuary.org. Or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. Uh, you can also find how to contact us there, whether it's direct message or email. We look forward to hearing from you all. God bless.